All right. We have been exploring the book of Acts for a few months now, learning from first followers of Jesus what it means to follow him. Uh, but we're going to hit the pause, and we're going to explore for the next two weeks some essential, essentials, I think, to who we are as a church. Uh, not that we haven't been learning essentials in the book of Acts, uh, but I really felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to share out of Matthew 6 this morning. And so open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 6. I'm sure you've experienced the joy of a meaningful conversation with someone who loves you. One where you just pull away from the noise, even if just for a few minutes, to share your heart and to hear theirs. There's a kind of energy and renewal that comes into a relationship when we do that kind of thing. Prayer is intended to bring that kind of energy and renewal into our lives. And Jesus invites his followers into a meaningful, unrehearsed, secret life of prayer that is meant to bring that kind of energy and renewal into our relationship with God and into our lives. And this is all about pulling away from the noise to share your heart with someone who loves you. With that in mind, let's explore Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We'll stop there. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for what we see here about you. Lord, help us in these next few moments to pay careful attention to the instructions that we receive through your word, through Jesus. Help us, Lord, to receive this instruction With love, Lord, from you, Lord. You love us. You've given it to us for a reason. Amen. Three things I pray we see here in our passage. One, secret and unrehearsed, simple and unrestrained, central and unrivaled. That's what prayer is. First, secret and unrehearsed. We see this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. 
But before we jump into kind of the, the, um, the content here of this passage, our health, our strength, our vibrancy as a local church depends on the health, strength, and vibrancy of our private prayer lives. So who we become, our growth as followers of Jesus, individually, corporately, but I'm thinking corporately right now, together as a a church community, our convictions, our mission, our future, it will be born out of this place of private prayer. I'm convinced of that. So I felt led of the Holy Spirit to hone in on this topic this morning as I was praying for you. You know, over the years, I've sat down with many Christians to discuss their faith in Jesus. And as we get uh, to where individuals feel they need the most growth, there are usually two categories that come up. And prayer is at the top of the list. Prayer and evangelism are usually the two categories. And we, we started local church, St. Pete, with some expressed core desires. And if you've gone to our Belong Here class or if you've, you've been around for any length of time, we'll pray through those core desires and these are just core desires of our heart. These, these are the things that we want to mark us. And the first core desire is expectation and dependency. And it says this, we believe God will do great things for our good and his glory. And we want to trust him and lean on him through prayer in every way. And so here in Matthew 6, we're dropping into a section of what could be called Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, And we discover Jesus' core desires, what was most important to him. And and in verse 5, he says, when you pray, when you pray, not if, when you pray. And so prayer is expected. And there's this immediate warning after that. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Jesus often referred to the religious leaders uh, this way. wasn't a friendly term. The word is often uh, used for actors who put on masks and play different roles. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. They're standing on the corner. They're, they're praying these prayers for others to see. He says, I tell you, they've received their reward. And what's their reward? The applause of men. And that's as much reward as they'll receive. Now, Jesus isn't condemning all public or corporate prayer, not at all. When you read Acts, and we've been doing that together, we see the church gathered together and prayed, prayed for the release of, of Peter in prison, prayed that the Lord would show himself faithful through their, through their witness. We, we saw that, which corporate prayer was happening. Jesus himself prayed out loud and, and with, with his disciples. But what he's showing us, what Jesus is showing us here in his sermon On the mount, he's showing us what the normal habits of a follower of Jesus should include and really what our motives should be. You know, we live in a day when everything we do goes public on social media. (laughs) And usually what we do is measured by the applause of others. It's measured by the amount of likes or comments we receive. We all can get caught in this. We want others to see. We want others to comment. We want others to like our picture. But Jesus is inviting us into something that will receive zero likes because it won't be posted. 
Zero comments, because no one will see it. No applause from others. This is hard for us. It was custom for devoted Jews to pray three times a day in in, in Jesus' day, so morning, afternoon, and evening, and they were to do so wherever they might be. It's not a bad habit to be in. But were they going to do this discreetly or with great display? And Jesus is saying, prayer is is not performance. Don't be a show-off. Don't do it to prove a point that you can pray with eloquence, that you can pray with this, this great, I don't know, just loud voice and, and draw others to see how you're praying and wow, he really, she really prays. No. Take off your mask, no costumes, be free of that. Again, there's nothing wrong with, with loud prayer in a corporate setting, but Jesus is getting at something else here. He says, go into your room, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. That's the instruction we receive from Jesus about prayer, this habit of prayer for the, for the follower of Jesus. Go into your room, and this, this word room is used uh, for storeroom, where they would store grain, where there'd be no windows and you could lock the door so that other people couldn't get to your food. Go into your food pantry <laughs> and pray. This is a metaphor. Obviously, we don't all need to go into our food pantry, um, but this is about private, behind the scenes, unannounced prayer. That's what this is about. And this is what Jesus is inviting us into. Private, behind the scenes, unannounced prayer as the habit of your life. You know, we're intrigued by people's secret lives, aren't we? Especially celebrities. We like reality TV. We like to see uh, what, uh, what, what the secret life of maybe a celebrity or an athlete really involves. And why? Why do we like that? Why do we uh, watch these shows? Why, why do we read articles where we learn, we go behind the scenes and learn more about these individuals? Because we, we enjoy uh, finding out what's deeply meaningful to these individuals. We also want to compare our kitchen to theirs and other things, but um, we enjoy what, 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 is, what is deeply meaningful to this person. And because that's what you find when you go behind the scenes, when you enter someone's life, and maybe you go vacation with them, or you, you spend a long time with them, or you're just in their house for a while, you start to see what is meaningful to them. And so here, this is an invitation to pull away from the noise. This is an invitation to shut off our phones and to ignore the emails. This is an invitation to enter a conversation with someone who loves you, but not just anyone, with the Father. Pray to your Father who is in secret. Jesus says. Now, this, especially at first, might be an intimidating practice for you. Maybe it feels strange to hear this. This one-on-one with God. Maybe you struggle with honest, intimate conversation to begin with. Those are hard for you. Maybe this wasn't modeled for you growing up. Maybe no one invested in you that way. Maybe you would say, I don't want to do this with anyone. I don't do this with anyone. How am I supposed to do this with God the Father? Maybe you felt abandoned by God, let down by him, dismissed or ignored. Maybe you've felt like you're speaking into just a a dark chasm of nothingness when you pray. 
Let me encourage you, Jesus has experienced some of those same feelings himself. We witness those, some of those same emotions in Jesus himself. The night before he was, uh, the night he was betrayed, when he was praying in the garden, just, or even when he was hanging on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We're all tempted, church, to dismiss God as indifferent and uninterested, uninvolved in our lives, out there somewhere but not concerned about our needs, not concerned about our desires or the details. But Jesus is giving us a way of addressing God that confronts these misconceptions every time we do it. He says, pray, listen, to your Father. Your Father. Pray to your Father. So in a healthy, loving relationship, if a child calls on his or her father for help, what happens? The father helps. The father leans in. The father provides. The father protects. The father loves. You have the father's attention. So you have God the Father's attention. Here is this intimate, incredibly intimate way of approaching God. And Jesus gives us this right. Where else do we get this right? In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, To all who received him, to all who received Jesus, to those who believe, believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's staggering, really. So what does it mean we're children of God, that we have the right to call him Father? Well, it means a lot. But it for sure means that you are, lo- are more loved than you will ever know. There is no way I, as an earthly father, can express the depth of my love to my children. I love them so much. <laughs> but it's, it's multiplied when it comes to God the Father. It's hard to grasp. But it also means that there is no one more committed to your well-being than he is. It also means that you have his attention when you are weak, when you're scared, when you can't even speak a word that makes sense. Author J.I. Packer, he says this. I love this quote. I've read it before to you. It's been a while, but I want you to hear it. He says, he's my father. And he's God in heaven. He's God in heaven. And he's my father. Grasp this or, or let it grasp you. Then tell God what you feel about it. I love it. Grasp this. Try, try to grasp this or just let it grasp you. And then tell God what you feel about it. And that will be the worship that our Lord wanted to evoke when he gave us this thought pattern. Grasp this or let it grasp you. The fact that you can go, you're invited to go to God as Father. Father. Now I can look back before locals started and remember times of private prayer that felt anything but spectacular, okay? They didn't feel very spectacular. But these are times that I I knew were significant moments in the life of this church in what would be a church. I don't have these days marked on a calendar somewhere. 
There's no one who knows the conversation that I had with God. I don't even recall the details. I didn't post about it. But I I went to him in private. And often when I go to God in private, it's when I'm walking around my block. And it's dark. No one else is around. And I usually just start by saying, Father, just, just, just stay there for a while. Think about what it means. Try to grasp it a little bit more and, and let it grasp me in that moment. I'll sometimes say things like, walk, walk with me. I want to walk with you. I need to know you're near. This is, this is bigger than me, God. I need, I need your strength to be the husband I'm called to be and the dad I'm called to be. Father. It's not very spectacular. Jesus says, your father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay. So part of the reward, I believe, is what we gain through relationship and prayer. For sure. (laughs) But the emphasis is on the gift giver. There's more to it than even that. There's more reward than that. But the the emphasis is on the gift giver. So the Father loves us and is for us and is is actually made a way for us to approach him. And we have this right, uh, we've been given this right through the sacrifice of Jesus, his death and resurrection. But there's, there's more in store for us that we can't even grasp. And so something that I pray that we, we, we really understand here, Jesus is getting at, is what we do in private will define us, will shape us. It does shape us because it's who we are. Secret and unrehearsed prayer is what Jesus is calling us to. Second, simple and unrestrained prayer. When you pray, verse seven, there it is again. When you pray, it's expected This is a non-optional habit of a follower of Jesus. We're learning what's important to Jesus, okay? These are his core desires, we could say. He says, don't go on babbling. Don't go on babbling as the Gentiles. The word is really, uh, the the idea is um, the unbeliever or the pagan, uh, those who are believing in lowercase g gods, false gods. They go on and with all this anxiety and with this vain repetition, with these, these thoughtless mechanical phrases, you don't need to win God's favor when it's been already given to you. You don't need to try to push God's hand to accomplish something for it. You can't push God's hand. You can't move his hand. Your father, he says, Jesus says, your father knows what you need before you ask. So don't go on just with this vain repetition, with the just endless phrases, just trying to win his faith. You don't need that. No. Your father knows what you need before you ask. And so just take a breath right there and think, okay, all right. You know what I need before I even ask. And so he knows, so don't hold back. That's, don't hold back. If he knows, you don't need to hold back. If he knows, then you can be honest. You don't have to hide anything. If he knows, why keep it to yourself? There's, there's grace when you make known, yes, what he already knows, but it's grace for you to make it known to him. 
He knows, so you don't need to tiptoe around the subject at all. You can get right to it, straight to the point. Your father knows what you need before you ask. Just let that sink in. And yet he invites us to pray. You might say, well, why pray if he knows? Because prayer is not an exchange of information only. As if we're telling God something he didn't know. Prayer is deeply meaningful, deeply personal. It's about relationship. It's about what God is doing in our hearts just as much as it's about what he's doing outside of our hearts, right? And so he's growing us. He's, he's helping us to see who he is. He's growing our faith. Prayer is not about just getting things done. It's about communion with God. It's not simply about exchanging information. Here's my list, God. You can bring him your list. You don't have to tiptoe around what you need. And when nothing seems to be making sense, trying to get it all out, it's okay. He knows. Isn't that refreshing? He knows what you need before you ask. So you don't need to build any bridges with God. Don't you love those friendships where you don't need to build any bridges? You might not have seen these, this family or this individual for six months, a year, two years, three years. You pick up right where you left off. These are the type of friends, they don't get mad at you if you don't call them or text them after a few weeks. You know, they're, they're easy. They know you love them. And then when you see each other again, you're just like, oh, so good to see you. You, just, you pick up right where you left off. You don't need to build any bridges. It's the same is true with God. You pick up right where you left off. Pr- prayer is deeply meaningful. It creates an atmosphere for intimacy. What do I mean by that? Where tender affection, quiet rest, and expressed fear and anxiety can be, can be shared with him, can be expressed. We can lay it down. We can delight in him for who he is, and we can bring him our burdens. We, we get to share real words, real thoughts and desires with our creator. Just think about that. We have his attention. Now, this requires faith. Like, really? I'm not just talking into the air? I'm not just speaking into this dark chasm of nothingness? No. You have the attention of God the Father who loves you. You have his affection. You have his ear. He's leaning in, and he's made a way through his son for you to boldly approach him and find rest and peace and renewal and strength. But will we? And then when we do it, are we looking for something spectacular? Do we have to have eloquence? Do we have to have a ton of words? Jesus says, no. No. It's about relationship. Simple and unrestrained prayer. Simple and unrestrained. Just honest. So, this is like vacation season, right? (laughs) I mean, all the Floridians are like, going to Georgia, North Carolina. You go to Georgia. We went to North Georgia a couple weeks ago, all Florida tags. I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> get out of the humidity. It's important to get away from the noise of life, to shut off your phones, to spend time with your family. And then for those with kids, 
It's, it's important for couples. We know we go on vacation and it's, you know, kind of a, a restful time, not really. Um, and then you need a vacation from your vacation as, as a couple. <laughs> but then as, as, mar- as a married couple, right, uh, these date nights are so important, just getting away from the noise. But then also just a long weekend together, a night together. Highly recommend this, couples. <laughs> just to get away from the noise. Now, whenever Valerie and I do this, it's just so funny because we'll be sitting there at dinner or we'll be out and I'll be looking at each other and we're just like, we don't, I'm like, you have anything to say? She's just enjoy being here. You know, she's just quiet and I'm just like, did I do something wrong? No, I'm sorry, I just can't even think. It's <laughs> like, well, it's good to be with you too. Um, sometimes we just need to be quiet, right? And sit, just enjoy the silence. It's okay to be quiet before the Lord. It's okay to, by faith, recognize his presence, even if you don't feel it. I think sometimes you will feel his presence, a a sweet sense of his nearness, but not always. That's okay. Sometimes just recognizing, you're with me, Lord. Thank you for that. You could be pumping the gas. You're with me. You're with me. I thank you for your nearness. It changes everything. I thank you that you care about me. Number three, central and unrivaled. Prayer is to be central and unrivaled. Jesus prayed early in the morning while it was still dark. It's not here in our text, but you can find it in the Gospel of Mark and in other places it's, it's really kind of humorous where gee, there's a lot going on in Mark chapter one. But, but Jesus uh, starts to heal people and this whole, this whole village, this whole village comes to Jesus. I mean, he's starting to really gather the crowds and, and everyone's looking for Jesus after this amazing day. And then Peter finally finds him and he, and he tells Jesus, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. He got up early in the morning while it was still dark and he found a lonely place. It was priority. A desolate place, it says, to pray. He would do this when it seemed like, well, he should be doing something else, at least to his disciples. So when we, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, take time to pray, spend personal time with the Lord, Uh, even if just a few minutes that really could blossom into more time, but if there's this consistent, habitual going to God in private, it's going to require saying no to a lot of other things. It's just, it's going to. And so that will require faith. Can I get this done? Oh, but I need to spend time with the Lord. I I want to spend time with the Lord. Uh, How do I fit all of this in? Anyone, again, with kids, understands this as your family starts to grow you're like another one how's this gonna work how am i gonna fit time to actually love this human being how how am i gonna show love to this one too (laughs) it's possible but we have to say no to other things jesus would often pray pray all the time we see this it's part of it was part of his uh, just his lifestyle he would pray um, at times of intense ministry. He would pray before making major decisions. He would pray with regularity and with really beautiful honesty to the Father. 
It was the central habit of Jesus' life. And so as followers of Jesus, it needs to be the central habit of our lives. It's not just an example for us to marvel at and to say, wow, Jesus, look at what you did. But it's an example to imitate. He made it his priority. The question is, will we make it ours? Will Will we make this our priority? Jesus knows what we're up against. Church, he knows our distractions. He knows how tired we get as soon as we decide to pray and how, how tired and distracted we can get. I'll just tell him. I'm like, I was, I was walking around my block last night and I'm just like, Lord, I am so distracted right now. There's just so many thoughts just running through my head right now. Just help me, Lord. Help me to just quiet down. Help me to settle down. We don't know what to pray sometimes. We don't know where to start. Isn't it refreshing that Jesus, immediately after providing this instruction, provides his followers with a framework that he knew would actually, not only that we, that we needed, but would help us draw near to the Father. It's like a scaffolding. He says, pray like this. And then he launches in, into what we often call the Lord's Prayer, which is really the disciples' prayer. It's a prayer he gave to us disciples, to his disciples, and now we've received Pray then like this. And then each phrase that he gives us really should launch us into places of express dependency and expectation. When I learned that, it just blew my mind. I learned this many years ago. I heard a pastor say this, and I'm like, that's awesome. So yeah, you can pray this prayer just straight through. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. You can pray that prayer as, as a prayer in itself, and it's beautiful. But you can also allow each phrase to launch you into these places of expressed dependency and expectation, like a framework. Our Father in heaven. <laughs> what a start. Just stay there a while. Don't move on too quickly. Father in heaven, personal and intimate, you're near, and yet you're preeminent. You're sovereign over all, powerful, sustaining all things. You hold my life together, and yet I have your attention. You draw me near. Father in heaven. Father in heaven, you rule and reign. And yet here I am speaking to you. Father in heaven, Father, the one who loves me, the one who's for me, the one who's near to me, the one who cares, you, you really care. Father, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, what does that mean? Holy set apart, sacred. Let your name, which means your reputation, your character, who you are, what we say, in the name of Jesus, represents everything about Jesus, who Jesus is, his power, his splendor, his glory. It's an exclamation point. We come in the authority and power of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. So we, when we say, hallowed be your name, Let your name, your reputation, let your character, let who you are be acknowledged, 
be revered, be worshiped, be seen as holy and honored in my life and in the lives of those around us. Oh, you can spend a good amount of time just, just, just thinking through that and praying from that. God's holiness is important. Your kingdom come. Your, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your loving rule and, and just rule over us. Oh, it's a present reality and it is a future hope. Let your kingdom come. Let your will, your will, your good and perfect and right will. We want others to know it and experience it. I, myself, Lord, want to celebrate your will and desire it more and more. I want your kingdom to, to come in my life. The beauty of your rule and reign to be seen in my day-to-day -day actions. Let your kingdom come in the lives of others around me that they would bow to your good and loving and just rule and find rest in that rule. Find hope and let your kingdom come. Lord, this, this world's messed up. It's broken. Thank you for what you, you've done about it in Christ, your son, renewing all things and beginning with us. Let your kingdom come. On earth, in St. Pete, as it is in heaven, what is this a prayer about? Bring renewal. Bring restoration. Would you save sinners? Would you restrain evil? Would you heal the brokenhearted? Would you restore the sick? Would you expose injustice on earth in St. Pete as it is in heaven? Where do we see these, these pockets of heaven? Whenever, when we read the Gospels, wherever Jesus is ministering, what was his message? The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Well, the good news about what? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is really good news. Why? Well, because it, it, it's telling us that, that Jesus is king of this kingdom. God is not indifferent to our brokenness. God has done something about our brokenness. He's stepped into space and time in the person of his son, and he's proclaiming evil is not going to win. Sickness and death and sin. And then Jesus goes around forgiving people their sin, the kingdom of God coming. Healing people of diseases, the kingdom of God coming. Casting demons out, the kingdom of God coming. Pockets, all these beautiful pockets of the kingdom being seen and experienced. Let your kingdom come and, and here. Let your kingdom come in St. Pete. Let your will be done as it is in heaven. So yes, renew the church. Yes, Jesus, save sinners. Yes, restrain evil. Yes, heal the brokenhearted. And then Jesus moves from into these personal requests, but they're not selfish prayers. These are communal prayers. Did, did you notice how communal this prayer is? In verse 11, give us, give us this day our daily bread. What does this say? You, you, God, you are what sustains us. Everything we have ultimately has come from your hand. Thank you. Give us what we need. Verse 12, forgive us our debts, our sin. This involves confession and it involves places of freedom. Oh, because we, we end up in a prison cell when we hold on to unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment towards others. But when we confess, when we confess our, our, our need for forgiveness, when we express forgiveness towards others, we find freedom. And so we have absolutely no right to hold on to others' sins against them. Not, not, not one right. 
It doesn't mean that what they did was right. It doesn't mean that what they did, that, that, that actually it might be safe to be around them. That's not what this is saying, but it's saying, I have no right to hold this sin over you. I, I, help me to forgive as I have been forgiven and lead us not into temptation. Oh, keep me away from lust, Lord, from pride, envy, disregard for your will, anger. Keep me by your spirit away from these things. Lead me away, away from that temptation. There's, you can't say the excuse, uh, I don't know what to say when I pray. You do know what to say. He's given us what to say. What is stopping you from making this prayer your own? What's stopping any of us from making this prayer our own? Prayer was unrivaled in Jesus' life. Nothing compared to it. He, he knew the power of this intimate relationship with the Father. He knew the strength and renewal that came from it, and he wants us to experience that. So when we pray, I want to I encourage you to know this. Listen, when we pray, we're positioning ourselves to see God work in the details of our lives. Because when we don't pray, we're often just, we're not going to be looking for the areas where he's working. When we do pray, we're positioning ourselves to look out for areas where God is actually working in the details of our lives. And so from the start of local church St. Pete, I'm, I'm I'm telling you this, whether it's our leadership team, my family, our staff now, I'm just saying, are you seeing this? Seriously, are, are you seeing what's going on here? Are you seeing God's incredible faithfulness? I'm not making this up. Did you see how he met our every need again this month? Did you see how he, he, he brought in that individual who was so far from God, had never read the Bible in their life, and now they've embraced Jesus? He's answered prayer. Do, do you see how he's bringing this, this family along? Do you see this? Do you see that? Do you see? It's just, it's beautiful. Do you see what's happening here? So we, local have a front row seat to God's faithfulness and answered prayer. So his faithfulness in one area becomes fuel to that flickering flame of faith in another area. So where I'm struggling to believe God to, to do something, to, to work on our behalf, well, well where I, I've seen his faithfulness, he's got a track record. And, and so that's like fuel to this flickering flame of faith. I mean, I'm wanting to believe God. How are you gonna do it? I don't need to know the how. I'm just, I'm coming to you. Here it is. You, you know what I need before I ask. I'm so thankful for that. Well, there it is. Jesus has invited us, us. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's invited you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, he's still inviting you. First, to put your faith and trust in him, become a follower and then step into this meaningful, unrehearsed, secret life of prayer. Secret life of prayer. This is foundational, church. It's foundational to who we are and to who we will become. It will define us moving forward. Are you ready to pull away from the noise? Are you ready to participate in something that nobody will will applaud? Are you ready to participate in something that nobody will like? Are you ready to share your heart with the Father? He loves you. <laughs> let's, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this amazing, amazing invitation that you've given us through Jesus, 
your son, that we have this bold access that we can call on you as Father. Father, thank you for the instructions that we find here about the way of prayer and what it's really about, and it's about relationship. It's about communion with you. That tells us so much about you and your heart for us. Thank you that what is clear here is is that all of us, all of us here are called to participate in this. And, And really, no one will know when we're doing this, and they don't need to know. But you know, and that's what's important. Would you cultivate in all of us this desire to spend time with you, to pull away from the noise, and to share our hearts with the one who loves us? Please, Lord, do that in us. Amen.